This is Modern Geek Podcast number 86, recorded November 13th, 2013. I'm Chuck. And I'm Juan. And welcome back to Modern Geek. Once again, been a while. <laughs> yeah, lots of good changes. Not necessarily primarily what we're going to talk about today, but it's nice to be back on an entirely new podcast rig, putting our podcasts out through an entirely new distribution system and an entirely new website. So let's hope that works. <laughs> <laughs> it does. Of course. I coded it. Of course it works. <laughs> no, seriously, lots of fun. Uh, glad to be back uh, podcasting. Mm-hmm, definitely. Um, let's just jump right into it. I upgraded yes. my Windows 8 box to Windows 8.1. Well, you're, uh, you're 1.1 ahead of me, I'm afraid. Ah, so you're still a Windows 7 person. <laughs> I am. I am. I'm behind the times. So tell me about it. Uh, it fixes basically... 99% of the problems people had with Windows 8. This sounds um, really familiar. Okay, so <laughs> one, it's a small thing, but on in desktop mode, there's a start button on the taskbar, okay, which that's, there didn't used to be. Yeah. Now, all that does is that does the same thing as what you would do is if you were hitting the start button on, on a keyboard or mouse. Um, but what's good about that is that it, it kind of helps to connect the desktop to the, uh, to the rest of the system. Um, speaking of which, you can actually boot straight to desktop now. So if you're still using desktop apps primarily, you don't have to log in to the uh, Metro screen and then click through to the desktop. You, you're just right there. You know, uh, you know, it's kind of funny. One of the real kind of weird things about Windows 8 for me was that it, it seemed conflicted as to whether it was a tablet, primarily a tablet, primarily a touch, or primarily a mouse interface. Right. And this seems to have kind of crossed, you know, made that a little bit easier for somebody who's a primarily mouse-based input person. Well, right. I mean, Microsoft's stance on this is that the desktop interface is the legacy interface. <laughs> I mean, like, right, like right. for example, like when you went to Windows 95 and the program manager was still there. Right. You right. could get to it and you could use it, but it wasn't really the, quote, right unquote way of doing things. Sure. Um, it, it, what it, this does is I think they, they jumped a little too quickly on that is, you know, they say, okay, well, you know, now everyone's going to be using windows this way. And, you know, for consumers, a lot of people will just use it that way and just use the Metro style apps. And, uh, they've in windows 8.1, they've included a little bit more flexibility as to what part of the screen, different apps can take up. So you can, instead of it being like one third or one half or nothing, Right. You can actually have a, a little bit more granular control over that in terms of dividing what apps have what part of the screen. But for a lot of us, I mean, we're using desktop apps pretty much exclusively, and Windows 8.1 does address that. Um, the other cool difference is that when you hit the start button, you can have it go straight to that all apps list um, instead of the Metro desktop, which you would then have to right click and click all apps to get to. So when you hit the start button, you effectively have a list of all your programs, which pretty much replicates what you're used to. You're using a start menu for. Yeah. The other one that's interesting is if you do, I'm, I'm I think this was in windows eight as well, but if you do the windows key X, it brings up a little kind of menu in the bottom left corner, which has like programs and features, power options, event viewer, system device manager, network connections, all that kind of stuff, control panel, so that you have kind of a quick shortcut to get to some of the more administrative options. So, I mean, I, I set a couple of these settings up and then my Windows 8 box boots straight to the desktop and I'm using it pretty much exactly like I use Windows 7. And I'm happy with it now. I, I have to admit, and, and as a guy who's not using it every day, I can't comment on that. But mm. I, think, I think my eyes were opened a little bit, uh, and kind of as, as were yours since we were there together. When we, were, we walked through you know, a Buy More uh, and actually saw all Windows 8 running on all these touchscreen monitor, keyboard, mouse systems. And it was kind of like, I, I can see that. You know, all of a sudden, this interface makes a little bit more sense. Right. But 
I, I, I think, you know, there's, there's power and there's kind of a, a, an, an issue with this running the same OS on a tablet and on a, on your desktop. Well, yeah, on a desktop, you're not going to be able to use touch screen full time. Like right, it's just right, in terms, even just in terms of ergonomics, absolutely, that doesn't work. I mean, they've done studies on it. Is no. that your arms will literally just fall off? Oh hell yeah, no, maybe not literally, but you know. <laughs> literally fall off. Literally fall off. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I I get it. What kind of? I have to admit though, I was talking with a developer friend of mine the other day, a guy a guy that I was working with on a project. He was like, "Yeah, you know, if I buy a tablet, I, I'm going to buy a Surface because." It runs a full OS and I can run some of my development software on it, my IDE and some stuff like that. And I'm like, hmm, you know, I can kind of see that for him. Um, right. Well, he's got to be careful too because, right. you know, the the new services are out, the Surface 2 series, and they've done some rebranding. So you have the Surface 2 and the Surface 2 Pro. Now, the Surface 2 is another Windows RT device. It's running on ARM processors. So his IDE won't run there. Absolutely. So he'd be going with the pro, obviously. Right. But and and that's the way this is all headed, right? I mean, this is when this first came out, we were like, what the hell? And yeah. and you can kind of see now there are two parts of it that they never really made clear, right? One is that you have these touchscreen monitors that are just out there ubiquitously now. Not yep. in people's hands ubiquitously now, but they're in the stores, which means give it time, right? Yeah. And uh and number 2, you have a tablet that's powerful enough to run the full OS. And those things combined start to make this make a little more sense. And of course, you know, if it tries to force the tablet, you know, interface on you when you don't have a touchscreen and you're fully keyboard mouse, that's just not going to work. But this patch, I think, all of a sudden makes it usable for you, which have you have none of that. You do not have a Surface. You do not have a touchscreen monitor, right? Right. Because, I mean, there's always going to be people that need the smart or the, the truck, right? Right, right. You, right. you need the truck. You don't necessarily, I mean, there's, but there's an even larger uh, set of, of consumers that are fine, you know, driving around in a smart car. <laughs> exactly. You know, they, you're not going to haul two by fours around on the top of a smart car, but you know, not everyone needs to, or not everyone needs to all the time. So no, I'm with you. I'm totally it, it, with you. It's kind of an extension of that. The fact that a lot of people just have, you know, iPads for personal consumption and for checking email and for browsing and for even writing and that kind of stuff is, you know, that there's just a, a, a large consumer set that is going, well, I don't really need a desktop. I just need a laptop or a tablet or something like that. And I think Windows 8 is very um, appropriately posed to, to fill know, that, gap. that market. And it, it with is. these updates, it's it's kind of more in a position as well to help support the people that you know actually want to get things done in a more right. technical level. <laughs> yeah, and and that's exciting because. You know, if there's one thing we've seen, and and in fact, maybe we should go ahead and jump in and talk about uh, and talk about Mavericks now as well, mm. because Mavericks is kind of a weird change. I've not gone to Mavericks yet. I got to say, um, I, I in the past I've jumped right in on board with OS 10 upgrades, and this time I just. Saw a little too many problems right away for me to actually jump into it. And I'm kind of glad I waited because it sounds like they're working out a lot of weird issues. Well, you know, we have another kind of, uh, we're going to bring the tablet and the desktop closer together. Right. Take here, right? I mean, we've got, we have the Apple take and we have the Microsoft take. And at first the Microsoft take seemed really weird. And yeah. as it goes on, it seems really more sensible, you know? Right. And uh, the Apple take seemed really pretty straightforward at the start. And the farther it moved, further it moves down the line, the weirder it gets. Well, and it fell flat on its face at first. I mean, how yeah. many times have you used Launchpad? Uh, never. No, exactly. Not, not a single time. <laughs> how many times have my parents used Launchpad? Never. <laughs> And that's it. There you go. That's that's it. It, it. It's like it's one thing if if we don't use it because we can be sticking the mud 
you know, bastards and be like, yeah, I'm not going to use that because I'm not used to it. But if the yeah. person who knows nothing and doesn't care and just wants to use it the way it's intended to be used, doesn't use it either. Well, that means it's probably not being used by almost anybody. Well, I mean, especially with like iOS seven, the, the, the user interface barely translates to, to work properly on an iPad and then try to project that same kind of interface onto a 27 inch iMac. No, no, just, <laughs> no, <laughs> no, it, does, it doesn't work. And, uh, and I, I just got to say, and, and, and this is just me whining, you know, but, uh, I have a Mac pro, uh, I bought it a number, a few years, a number of years back when I had a big contract and I had the money to buy it and to make the money with it. Right. And buy all the things. Uh, well, no, no, I bought, I bought that specifically, <laughs> even though it was stupidly expensive because it really did a good job at a couple of things that I needed to do. And I knew I could make money doing, right. uh, and I paid for it with the work I did with it. Right. Yeah. But, uh, and, and I've never regretted that per purchase. I mean, it was a, you know, it cost more hell. It cost twice as much as my first car. Mm -hmm. And, uh, except here I am a number of years later, it's still a great computer. It's expandable in some ways that I really need it to be expandable. It is a fine piece of equipment, but if I were to do that again today, I couldn't do it. Uh, they replaced my Mac Pro with a device that is removes all the benefits of the Mac Pro, right? <laughs> I mean, honestly, seriously. I, I mean, it was a little overpriced. It was a lot overpriced, okay? But it was it was very powerful. Even the low end models were just stupidly powerful. People yeah. say, "Well, I can I can build a f you know you buy the eight core. I can build an eight core machine." Well, it's like have, have you have you ever used a Xeon? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, it's not. It's not low end stuff. That extra, you know? that extra low level cash. Yeah, yeah, it makes a big difference. It does. It is. I mean, you've seen how this thing transcodes. It's just a joke, right? Yeah. Well, Three exactly. years later, it still transcodes faster than. Most. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, so, um, so yeah, great piece of gear. The new one, uh, uh, it's just not working for me. I mean, it's a funky ass case. It's a funk. It's not you know expandable. It you know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of that Apple Cube. Oh yeah, from you're like so right. 2001 or whatever. It's like it was a great uh, exercise in design. Yeah, but maybe. then again, so was the next cube. <laughs> Ouch! And how'd that work out? <laughs> that, that, that's cold, man. That's just cold blooded. Well, I know it's cold, but it's in the it's in the same <laughs> it's in the same vein. Hey, I mean, I'm, I'm just saying that anybody uh, anybody who thinks that the Mac Pro is a consumer device is crazy. It is right. not and, and never would be. So anyway, I well, mean... What, what, what they're betting hard on is that Thunderbolt is going to be the standard. Yeah. Okay. And they're betting on it the same way they bet on Firewire. Yeah. And, and I don't see it yeah. happening. Yeah. So bottom line here is, is that when this thing finally wears out, right? Yeah. What, do, what do I buy? Well, I well, mean, I, I and, and, and you know the answer, of course, right? I mean, it's... Yeah. It's, it's straightforward. I mean, a mini isn't going to do what I need it to do at a high-end level. Uh, right. An iMac damn sure isn't. Uh, the Mac Pro is still just as expensive and now doesn't offer the benefits. I, I, I can't, I can't, I can't well, buy and, Apple. And, I mean, right now you've got the Win 7 box for the Windows stuff you need to do and the, the Mac Pro for both the, the, the Mac stuff you need to do and as your power, powerhouse machine. And I think what you'll probably have to do is take the powerhouse machine part and put it into the PC. Yeah. 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 And, and so I, I'm happy to see Windows 8 making sense because if it didn't, I'd be really screwed. Right. And uh, so anyway, uh, lots of issues with Maverick so far. I apologize for getting off subject there. Hmm. Uh, definitely. Well, yeah. Uh, you have some listed here, I see. Well, yeah. I mean, the the big one was that it didn't work with Gmail. Oops. Yeah. So apparently what it would start doing is something like uh, duplicating messages he tried to delete and archive, put them in archive instead of trash or something like that. And there's there, they looks like they came out with some kind of a fix for it. But, you know, I keep coming across these, you know, seven point articles of BIOS 10 has fallen over seven different ways of fixing Mavericks. Ouch. 
And it's like, okay, they re- they uninstalled Java. So here's how do you reinstall Java? You know, okay, every time you start up the computer, it's asking you for all your password keychain access, and here's how to fix that. Your menu, your menu bar at the top is broken, and here's how to fix that. And you have to go into the console and fix that. How to fix your time machine doesn't work anymore. Okay, here's how to fix that. How to make iWork and iLife photos or uh, i I work iLife and iPhoto work in Mavericks because apparently if you upgrade, they don't work properly. And uh, my contacts apps aren't syncing anymore. And here's how to fix that. My Wi-Fi doesn't stay connected. And here's how to fix that. It's like, I have not seen an OS ten release with this many system level problems in a long time. You know what? I mean, there's always, there's always the problems that come out like, oh, well, okay, you know, Geek Tool and Jolly Spass VNC don't work in the new version, and <laughs> yeah, that's because right. they changed the APIs and we're waiting sure. for software updates from third-party vendors. It's not been this like, oh, here's 10 things that are wrong with the base OS. Well, you know what? What's really funny is I think that if you bought a new Mac that had Mavericks installed on it, you'd probably be okay. Right. But well, the, the trick is, is that their upgrade path has always been mediocre, and, and it's just slipped yeah. a little to bad, I think. Well, and this, this is the same problem is that they ran into kind of developer problem. Um, like, for example, when Windows uh, 8.1 came out, it was starting to brick some Windows RT tablets, Alex. like Surface, the Don't. Surface RT. And it's like, well, how could you possibly have missed that? Well, and it <laughs> makes actually perfect sense because anybody that upgraded to the developer preview of RT oh, right, of 8.1... Right didn't encounter this problem. So what was happening is internal Microsoft development, everyone was upgrading to the dev version, and then, okay, it's time to try to upgrade these devices. Let's try upgrading from dev to full. Oh, no, all that works. Hey, we're good. The the leapfrog over the dev version didn't work for some people. And it makes perfect sense why that was a hole in their testing, because it's like, well, everyone testing it would have been testing the dev version at one point and it was a firmware problem that the dev version fixed, but the release one didn't. Oh. So it, it makes perfect sense that any of their development tablets that would have been running dev at one point, even if they were wiped, wouldn't have had this problem. Yeah. And I think they kind of run into the same problem with, with at Apple because, you know, I mean, they're, they're Apple. So it's like, okay, well, let's test the, the version. Here's, you know, 25 brand new iMacs. Load them up with the software and let's see what happens. Yeah, it's kind of tough. I, I, and I, I know that they're doing more testing than that. And I know that, well, yeah, and I know how difficult it can be to find every possible scenario. So you expect problems, but whoa, I mean, you're right. That's pretty far out. And, you know, this leads us to kind of a, a, a fun place because there was an announcement uh, a, a few weeks, what, about a month back that really lit you up. And that was SteamOS. Right. Yeah. SteamOS uh, by Valve Software coming out with their, what, I mean, what they're starting with is, is a gaming platform for their, uh, for Steam games, which, um, I mean, anybody that's played games on PC knows exactly what Steam is. It's a multi-platform sure. distribution and social network for uh, playing and uh, socializing during uh, uh, desktop games. And they're coming out with a standalone OS version, which is based on Linux, um, which they've been working on in the back end for a number of years, getting Steam support on Linux. And with a lot of their games, they're now coming, they've been coming out for the last few years with like equivalent Mac versions with equivalent Linux versions, that kind of stuff. They're, they're getting rid of that Windows only um, environment that was there for so long because of the kind of, you know, DirectX chokehold that Microsoft had on the community that they just don't care about anymore because they've got the <laughs> Xbox. Right, now. right, right, right. And what I thought with this is that it would be very interesting to see SteamOS evolve into a uh, an actual valid consumer desktop for Linux and not necessarily desktop in terms of, okay, well, are they going to run GNOME or KDE? It's well, here's a completely different way. This is the computer you have in your living room. This is your, your desktop gaming machine. This is your, your, your TV gaming machine. And then for your other desktop stuff, you have an iPad or a laptop or whatever. And 
So you're essentially I, talking about that middle ground, like, and, and just to be clear here. So like you have the extreme, which is what we do, which is like, I have a Mac mini on my TV, right? It's right, a full well, computer. Yeah, yeah. It'll do anything. On the other hand, you have like a Roku or, or, or something like that or, or an Xbox, right? Which, well, an Xbox really is a computer, but the OS does nothing but a couple of little things and you have to do exactly the way they lay it out and, and software is only stuff that's distributed from them, blah, 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 right? Yeah. And you're talking about that middle ground, a device that that is really a full open OS, but is designed maybe for use in an entertainment zone. Right. Well, I mean, when you look at the reasons that people want powerhouse desktop machines these days, right. And, and the people that are reeling against, you know, windows eight and the Metro interface there, it kind of falls into two different categories There's people like us that do developer stuff and can't work in a single window. Right. It's done. No kidding. Yeah. (laughs) And gamers. And the, the, that PC gamer community is still a very large set of of, custom, of of how of where custom hardware and OEM hardware is sold to. So you get if you SteamOS can talk to that crowd specifically and say, okay, well, SteamOS, we've got all the vendors on board to provide game support for releasing their games on our platform. We have full hardware support for all the modern hardware and they can do that especially since they have you know very close ties with the graphics processor community and that kind of thing and 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 just say and because we're running our own OS we can get rid of a lot of the cruft that you have to deal with with um you know windows kernel and and all the other desktop stuff and provide you a fast efficient gaming platform that does what it does really well. Oh, and by the way, now down the line, we're going to get Netflix support and, and we're going to get blah, 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 all the other stuff that a media center would fill out. This could actually be a really interesting prospect. Do you think they are interested in doing that? I think they're interested in getting out from under windows. Because see, what's exciting here is the possibility. I mean, for years, we've had this kind of holdout that one day we're going to have Linux for the desktop that doesn't suck uh, from a consumer perspective. Okay. Right. And that's not happening in the current. I mean, we're getting really close. Let's face it. Ubuntu has come a long way. I mean, it is, it's not junk anymore. Right. You you can use uh, Ubuntu as, as a consumer and not, and not really encounter virtually any day-to-day issues and the same goes with the chromebook but the problem sort of has been that you don't really have the software support to get everything you couldn't easily ditch your windows box and and move to right well when it comes down to it is like yeah, I mean that's the problem you run into is it's a, it's a great browsing platform and you know for most people most of their stuff that they do is within a web browser these days. Right. But something like the gaming community says, well, that's obviously not good enough. Right. You know, you can't run like full, I mean, you can, but you know, you can't run full 3D gaming within a browser, which is why stuff like um, Ubuntu and, and Chrome, Chromebook, they don't, they don't right. grab any uh, footholds here. But when when you have someone like Valve who's been working on games literally for decades right? and says, okay, well, we know what we'd like to see in a gaming platform. So let's go make that. That's well, it's exciting. Exciting. Yeah. I mean, it could bomb. I mean, I haven't, I haven't seen it yet. They, they put out like, I think a hundred or 500 dev, dev boxes and they're basically, you know, PCs with ju- uh, mini ITX boards and right. and gigantic video cards in them and said, okay, here's what we're yes. thinking. It's like the Xbox uh, simulators. Right, yeah. yeah. And, but it's if, if this can catch on, I could see it maybe not being a direct competitor to something like an Xbox One or a PS4, but to, um, you know, kind of be more more in that replacement for 
for what a lot of people use a desktop for these days. Yeah, I'm with you. You know what I mean? Yeah, like Chromebook, but not quite as, you know, but not Google. Mm, kind of, yeah. Like, you know, they're... they're and, I, 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 and a little bit more expandability. Yeah, I, I don't really know what what necessarily people that have desktop PCs anymore would would consider as their strongest suit. Right. But for something like gamers, they would say, okay, you know, I'll, I want a good gaming platform and pretty much everything else comes secondary. So if you had like, say just a nice little MacBook air and a, a strong gaming platform that would serve all of your purposes. Right. I'm with you. I don't know. It's, it'll be interesting to see which way it goes. Well, one thing that's been kind of catching my eye lately is, uh, was the Nexus 5 when it came out. Because a while back, we kind of sat down and did a pretty detailed analysis of, okay, look. Because you, you had phones do, I had phones come and do. We're like, hey, let's actually build a spreadsheet, walk through and say, can we move from the Apple walled garden to the Google walled garden, you know? And, and will this work? And at the time, we thought, wow, you know, the hardware is really impressive. It's really interesting. No, we can't because mainly some of the apps aren't there yet. There was right. some really cool hardware, but some of the apps, just especially ones that we lean on, this is not true for everybody, uh, were not developed in Android enough to, be, to make the transition smooth. Um, so, so, of course, it's exciting when a the, – oh, the other thing that came out of that, if, if you weren't a listener back then, was that uh, – some of the most exciting hardware was the Google partner hardware that actually bears the Nexus, you know, the Google Nexus name because it gets the damn updates in a reasonable form. And you're, you're not stuck with this stupid, oh, you get the, the new version update, uh, Android version update when your carrier damn well decides upon it, you know? Right. Plus, let's face it, the clean, uh, the clean Android is way the hell better than any carrier Android, period. Right. Well, and, and I mean, the main advantage of that is that you can choose to use a different environment if you want to. But you don't have to. Right. It's, yeah. It's, yeah the, 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 the native Google version, I, I prefer, but there have been times where I'm like, oh, well, let's try out another one. Sure. And I download another one from the app store and I put it in place. And it's, it's not like, you know, a carrier based one, which is, oh, well, we have our own vision. And yeah, you know, the, the history behind that too ha was, you know, when Android one and two were out, the user interface was pretty dismal for, from what Google was providing. So right. these carriers had to develop this stuff. But now since Google's actually got their own kind of idea for what they want to design their platform as it doesn't make as much sense that they're forcing the interface on on their phones so yeah so i mean that's why you go with nexus because right. that way you just get the stock interface and if you want to use another one you can absolutely so uh the nexus 5 because the nexus 4 was pretty interesting it had some really big limitations especially data and you know, when the Nexus 5 came out, I'm excited. And I've been very excited to read about it. I wish I had the cash to just buy one to check it out. I don't. Yeah. But uh, reading about it is really interesting. I hear a lot of good things, a lot of bad things. Uh, on the good side, uh, I hear that the design is wonderful. It's uh, yeah. it's not uh, my favorite kind of quote. I think it was from The Verge was, was that uh, it doesn't look like a piece of, you know, a jewel like a, an, an Apple phone. And it doesn't look like junk like so many other phones. Instead, <laughs> it looks like a very solid, very purpose-built device that gets out of the way and puts the OS first, you know? Yeah. And it, it is made out of plastic. It's very light. Uh, it feels durable. It, it, it's not fancy. It's not something that you're going to show off and be like, look at my beautiful, expensive phone. Yet, yet it's not clunky, you know? And that's, that's awesome. And looking at it, I can see why they why they came to that conclusion. Um, the OS obviously is very interesting. It's only been getting better and better. Uh, the one kind of real drawback that I've heard there, I've, I've heard of battery issues with them, but that's not uncommon with any new device. Um, especially with a new OS on it at the same time. The one thing that I've heard that is, is kind of scary is, is about the phone. I mean about the camera. And oh. I, I think it's funny how much we've come to depend on camera phones. Like it used to be kind of a cool thing that you use kind of as a utility device. Like you took pictures of crap that you wanted to remember or things like that. But I think for most of us, 
it's replaced the point and shoot. Like most people now yeah. take the majority of their like family photos and crap on a phone. So the camera is actually pretty important. Now, the fun thing is, is that they, they, they seems like they put a lot of effort into trying to build a good camera into the Nexus. And, yeah. and there are some features that really make for good pictures. But uh, in, in test, I'm, I'm seeing some pretty scary things. And this, this is common of a lot of cameras, by the way. Uh, ultimate image resolution and quality versus re, real use image clarity and quality are, they're kind of two very different things. And what I'm hearing is that if you take pictures in bright light with the camera held very still and those things in the picture not moving, you get wonderful pictures with the Nexus 5. But the the dreaded low light issue, if you're if you're in a low light scenario, which anybody who's ever taken pictures knows, like 90% of the time you're in low light, right? And if things are moving or you're moving or issues like that come up, uh, apparently it's just really damn difficult. It also, I've heard that it takes a long time to uh, focus if it autofocuses. Like a lot of times it just can't decide on an autofocus. And, you know, that used to be the norm. And uh, nowadays I think we're starting to get spoiled. Like purpose-built cameras now autofocus damn fast. I mean, yeah. I, I think you were fascinated. You saw my, uh, my point and shoot that I use. I take pictures running with it. You can turn it on and hit the button in less than a second. It's focused and taking a picture. It focuses in like a 10th of a second or less. Yeah. So we're used to that. So if it takes like a two seconds, two and a half, three seconds to focus, that's forever. And if you're trying to take a picture of a kid running by you, it's not happening. Yeah. Well, what, what's interesting is, is that it almost looks like they tried to put a little bit of effort into it. Like, for example, uh, apparently it has the magnetic ring around the lens to uh, attach those. Uh, oh, nice. That, that uh, rising community of micro lenses uh -huh. for, for camera phones. Right. Uh, apparently it's, it's ready to accept one of those types of lenses. That's cool. But, but it, I mean, I think what the Nexus 5 probably suffers from is a good enough syndrome. Whereas, okay, well, we brought up the Nexus 4 and we priced it on the Play Store at $350 for the, the lower memory model. How do we hit that again? Yeah. We, okay, LG, we need something with a faster processor to keep up with the current gen of you know, the Galaxy S4 and the, and the Note and all the, all the ones that are out right now. We need a little bit more memory. So now it comes in 16 and 32. We need LTE and... We need a, a better camera, but we need to be able to hit that price point. Mm, so yeah. out of all those features, which one is the least important <laughs> considering the fact that the iPhone 5S is like the most popular camera on Flickr? You know, there's a lot to be said for what you, uh, for your take on that, because the reviews I've read follow exactly what you're saying in terms of well, them. I haven't, read it. I haven't read any reviews on the five yet. Um, well, I've read feature lists, but yeah, no, it's funny that you say that because the reviews say it's fast as hell. It's powerful. It has everything right, except the camera kind of sucks. All right. Well, and out of those features, <laughs> the camera is the one that's easiest to fall by the wayside because of, I mean, the competition, especially when you're putting it up against the, the five S and the, uh, the Nokia, is it the Lumia 1020? The one with the 50 megapixel camera in it. I mean, yeah, that's well, that's this, dumb. That's the, not, the, yeah. Well, I, I've seen some of the photos in it and it's pretty decent. But when it comes to it, this, this phone's make or break point is not going to be on the camera. Well, it's going to be on this, it's going to be on the, the carrier unlocked $350 price point, And it's going to be on LTE and it's going to be on speed. And I'm, you know, as a secondary, it's going to be on amount of storage in it and camera. And I, I think that the, if, if this had phone had come out with uh, like an eight megapixel camera with uh, fast, fast focus, fantastic low light performance, but no LTE, this thing would have just been like, okay, well, Google's well, I lost agree. their way. But here's the problem. Okay. So I, yeah, it is magic that it's 350 unlocked. Ooh, but the problem is, is you're trying to pry people off iPhones and 
I think that most people are not looking at this saying, wow, I need to compare this to the Nexus 4. I think what they're looking at is, I need to compare this to the iPhone 4S that I have right now. And the truth is, it's tough because well, I think the case, camera is a, a big factor for a lot of people. You're right. You need those basic things that all the other damn phones provide. But when it comes down to it, you also need a phone that is a, a camera that is as good as those other phones too. Uh, I would say that people that would be concerned about comparing it to the iPhone 5S and the camera would actually be more concerned with the front-facing camera for selfies. I'm not sure I agree with that. Uh, I, well, mean, I mean, if we're looking in terms of just very, I mean, on the very consumer side of things, the, I, I think maybe another a point to bring up would be as well, this is the flagship phone for KitKat, uh, uh, Android 4.4. So above anything, it's going to have to have as good performance as it can, because this is like, this is the 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 ship of here's what our latest android offering is to compare with ios 7 yeah i well like i said i i think uh, i don't know about the selfies thing because quite honestly i mean people have been taking selfies by turning the camera around for years i i i think when it comes down to it so many people take the majority of their family pictures with with a with their cell phone that yep. if, if you don't get good pictures out of it, I, I think it's a factor for for people. I know that for me, for example, I have a 4S. It's not super fast anymore. It is getting crashy. It is going to be time to upgrade it relatively soon. Yep. I am I am available for upgrade, but uh, I'm looking at that Nexus 5 saying, wow, you know, I, I it, maybe it's worth rechecking all those apps again. But if the camera doesn't fly, I can't do it, you know? And I think, you know, it, it suffers from the... Good, cheap, and fast. Pick two, <laughs> and and that's it. You know, it may be that that you can't break the carrier uh, issue at the same time you compete with uh, other people who are not doing that. You yeah. know, it may be that you have to say, "Yeah, it costs six hundred bucks," and uh, you're going to have to well, have a contract I, with it. Funny enough, uh, the unsubsidized price buying it through a carrier, and you know, I work for a telecom. My opinions are my own. <laughs> Should really use that jingle is uh, something like five fifty. So it appears that the Play Store is even subsidizing these. Ouch! Without well, a contract, you never know. which I is, I mean, I think they're just trying to eat as much market share as they can. You know, just try to grab as much as they can. And the Play Store, it probably makes sense that this thing is being sold below cost. Well, it's interesting. It's definitely, uh, I think. Sometime within the next 12 months, we probably need to do a reevaluation of all that, if, if only well, for our own interest. Exactly. I mean, we, we got to do the same thing with Windows and uh, yeah. uh, OS 10 at some point as well, because yeah. it's getting a little long in the tooth since we've done that one. Um, I think in terms of the Nexus line, this fixes a lot of the problems people had with the 4. And it, even just putting it at that, I'm, I'm glad that they came out with it. Um, I have a coworker that just picked up one of these and he's waiting on delivery. So I'll be able to get my hands on it and maybe uh, get a little bit more hands-on review of it uh, in, in the coming weeks here. But uh, that would overall, be exciting. Other than the camera should be pretty good. So uh, uh, one other thing that we definitely wanted to mention today was uh, kind of some new uh New news in the Skype drama. Ever since huh. Microsoft picked up Skype, uh, hold Skype, on, I couldn't hear you. Skype was ducking you down. <laughs> Ever, <laughs> yeah, we're using Skype, and uh, and it's kind of funny. I, I don't think we necessarily will for a long time in terms of recording podcasts, but. Um, anyway, there's been a lot of drama ever since Windows. Ever since Microsoft took over Skype, and. Uh, Two relatively recent announcements that kind of caused a lot of, uh, one, a lot of consternation, and another one, a lot of people kind of saying, huh? Uh, the first one had to do with call recording. <laughs> and uh, this is pretty yeah. funny. Uh, so, so Skype, uh, you know, announces via Microsoft, of course, uh, hey, we're not, you know, in the next version, we are no longer going to support uh, the API for call recording or for uh, Skype-specific hardware. And uh, all of a sudden, a lot of people who had Skype phones, you know, that use them, uh, virtually 
every podcaster except us who actually don't rely on, on Skype direct call recording. <laughs> um, but most all of them, usually the, the way people use Skype in, in uh, podcasting is they record the call on both ends and then send it to the right. other person. There's actually and, a, a good community of various Skype recorders out there that, that work really well. Yeah. And uh, so it's funny. Um, they announced this. And of course, a whole lot of users are like, what the hell? You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because they're very concerned, pretty much like, I don't know, 60%. I actually of the, got a couple of iMessages about that specifically going, what the hell? Like pretty much of the half of the podcast community, 60% of the podcast community is like, uh, we're done. And yeah. uh, so they have, I understand, retracted that portion. Right. Yeah. They, they, <laughs> yeah. They say, previously we shared that we would retire the desktop API later this year. However, I'm happy to share that we will be extending support for two of the most widely used features, call recording and compatibility with hardware devices well, until we determine alternative options or retire the current solution. If they're so the they most just, widely used features, why do you retire them? Here's, well, okay. I've, I have I answers to that. Yeah, me but, too. <laughs> Let's just listen to what they said here. We won't, we won't retire the features until we retire the features. So this, this doesn't say it's a we're not getting rid of them. It's saying don't panic because, you know, because that's not good. You know, we, we don't want bad press. Well, <laughs> you know, here's the thing. It's a reprieve. Uh, I think what this makes clear is what a lot of us suspected, which is that Microsoft's plans for Skype do not align with what users currently use Skype for. Right. Well, the, the other part of it that, that we kind of raised an eyebrow at was, oh, and by the way, the chat support's going away. And you go, what? Yeah. Uh, no, okay, that's just for third-party applications. And that part still is going away. But for a moment, it's like, didn't they get rid of MSN Messenger to use Skype? <laughs> Yeah, uh, well, it's probably not there. <laughs> well, but this is funny. I mean, clearly, uh, this does, I think, give us a window into what maybe Microsoft currently imagines Skype is going to, to be. And right. it, what it's not going to be is a catch-all for podcast recording. It is not going to be a catch-all for free or cheap or inexpensive long-distance calls. It right. is not going to be... Um, it is not going to be a uh, a chat integrated. Uh, in other words, it's not going to be the center for all of your chat work. Right. Um, so essentially, it's not a consumer solution is what they're saying. I mean, I, I kind of get the feeling that maybe this is more going towards some kind of commercial version of Google well, Hangouts, they, you know, which is going to well, be fact, for... They, they do have that. Um, it's called Link, L-Y-N-C. Right, yeah, It's absolutely. a Microsoft project, and it started before the Skype purchase, but what they've done is that they've rewritten it to have Skype as its guts. Right. And what it is is it's a um, small to medium business uh, PBX replacement. Right. So, like, inter intercompany, like, kind of like, um, if, if anyone's ever worked in a domain, uh, Windows domain, you'll be familiar with Office Communicator. Right which is basically MSN Messenger, but for internal use. Right. So it, it's kind of that same kind of idea as we want kind of an internal communications project where it, a company can talk to each other, they can do calls, and, and, and you know, with also the ability to hit outside lines and make outbound calls, that kind of thing. And be a, a drop-in replacement for a PBX. And it, it sounds like that's the way they're going with Link. And when, you know, they're with the consumer version, Skype, they're looking, it seems like they're looking at it like... A consumer version this, of Link instead of exactly. what it is now. Yeah, and, exactly. And, they're, they're, and thus, the, you've got the same thing that Twitter went through within the last couple of years is, well, we opened this stuff up so that we could... Uh, get dominance on the, on the, uh, on the market. Right? right. So here's the public APIs, go do what you want, create your own apps, create your own interfaces and let's get this used everywhere. And now that it's used everywhere. Okay. Well now we have a, our own vision of what we want the surface serve uh, service to be. So let's, okay, we got to retire the desktop API. We've got to kind of wrangle these in because if we can, we can provide our own apps 
with all feature complete, then we can control the vision of what we want. And, you know, a podcast medium isn't really what their focus is here. So and the, you've, you've seen this happen. Like, I mean, the $3 a month, unlimited North America calls, that went away. Then the, uh, the full duplex direct connection between, on, between two Skype users that had public IPs open, that went away. And now we're starting to lose more features. It's them trying to focus on what they want the service to be, not necessarily considering what people actually use the service for. So two things to keep in mind here. One is that Skype may not have been able to make any money with that anyway, which means that it's probably on its way out, if that's the case. I don't know that it is. But if it was, I mean, you know, there have been, they would not be the first to provide a really awesome service that just has no basis in reality for ongoing support. Right. Um, (laughs) On the other hand. Funny that. (laughs) Yeah. And and if that's the case, that's the way it's going to be. And all the bitching in the world isn't going to change it. Right. Number two, and this is a note on the good side, except for the free, except for the plugging into the phone system and long distance call stuff. If you're looking for like what we use Skype for 90%. Uh, the good news is is that SIP has come a long way, and SIP support in open source software and the ability to – there are a number of replacements for Skype for what we do with it uh, that are out there, have been out there long enough to be cleaned up and actually quite usable. Now, I, I'm yeah. not going to name them all today. I mean, but I, I've we, I've started my research, and we probably should at some point. We've still got to do some evaluation on some software here. Absolutely. But, but I mean, we have our own uh, for, for podcasting specifically. I mean, I could just say that we are less interested in what Skype does, which is providing a relatively clear, understandable discussion wherever the hell you happen to be in the room with whatever kind of garbage hardware you have on both ends and all that. Then we are essentially a virtual wire between us that's going to give an uncolored, un change signal as much as possible, full duplex, uh, that, that we can then fix afterward in ways that, that the general public is not going to do. That said, right. uh, we have kind of ideas for our own solution, which we'll talk about later. But uh, I think from a consumer standpoint, people who just want to talk and aren't using a phone anywhere in the process, you know, like you in Canada, me in the US, we don't want to, uh, we don't necessarily call each other's phones very often every now and then, but not that often. Uh, mm-hmm. Most of the time, we're happy to use IP only. Uh, there are off-the-shelf open source and uh, and semi-open source solutions for that. So it's not like if Skype goes away, you're screwed. It's just that... Uh, you're going to have to think about something you haven't had to think about for a while. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you and that, and that's really what is annoying people. It's like, yeah. my, my process works and I don't like changing things or get off my Yeah, mind. I understand that. Hey, you know, we're running out of time, but we got one last thing that we want to talk about, which was just this incredible, awesome solution that you came up with for some problems we had. Uh, and, and I love it by the way, but you should tell them about it. (laughs) Okay. So we obviously are not living in the same country though. We also do, uh, we, we work on production together, so we need to exchange files back and forth, whether it's like a bump for a podcast or images for the website, that kind of thing. We're always pushing crap back and forth between us that right. we're working and, on. And it's not necessarily something that would ever not, not always fit in like a service like Dropbox, where, right. which has a specific limit and you have to upload it to the cloud before downloading it again, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Exactly. So there is a service called uh, BT Sync, BitTorrent Sync, which is pretty much exactly what it sounds like. It is from the, bit, the people that developed BitTorrent it is a Dropbox-like sync platform using BitTorrent. And what's good about that is there's a Linux version. <laughs> and go figure, we both have Linux servers and a VPN between our, 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 our houses. So I set up BitTorrent sync on both Miri and Ulf, which are our file servers. And I copied and, and I copied the configuration so that they were both connected to the same BitTorrent sync folder. And then I set up uh, Windows and Mac OS X file shares so that we could access the same, what we called the WAN box on, from any computer on either of our network. So if you put a, if you put a file in on my side, Within a few seconds, it synchronizes it over, and and Chuck on the other side can see it. 
it's really cool. And, and vice versa. <laughs> and it's set to not totally destroy bandwidth so that you're not shut down if you put a happen to put a gigabyte you know, piece of video in it or something. Right. Yeah. You can, you can put uh, bandwidth limitations on it. You can even restrict it to say only connect over, don't connect to the public internet, connect to this specific IP and use the BitTorrent protocol to connect. So I run it right through the VPN. So it doesn't even hit the internet. <laughs> it's really a beautiful thing. It's one of those totally off the shelf with stuff you got on hand and just happens. And, and once it's been put in place, we just completely forget about it. It's like, Oh, I need right. to get this to one. So you just drop it over there and you know, there you go. Right. Really slick. Yeah. And no, no software to maintain on all the desktops or anything. It's just, just a network works. share on our servers <laughs> and it just works. Yeah. It's a beautiful thing. Well, crap, I am out of time. Uh, but, man, this has been a lot of fun. Looking forward to doing this much more regularly now that there's a system in place again. Indeed. Uh, hopefully, if, if, if listeners are hearing this, that means our new setup worked properly. <laughs> and we're looking forward to, be, uh, to creating some content again here. Uh, if you have any... Um, if you have any feedback on our on our new sound, uh, give us a call 214-296-9229 extension 705 I believe it is. It's been yeah, a you while. Know, you know 703, it, sorry. The good news is is it's in the bump. It's in the outro. It's in the bump. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I, whatever. Just don't listen to me. Listen to Chuck recorded months ago. <laughs> Days ago. But <laughs> Oh, no. so you did those again. Too. I did. I redid everything. But no, I, I think uh, it's been a lot of fun. Uh, if you, Really important is if you have any new kind of tech news or, or that kind of thing, modern geek stuff, give us a call and let us know because we'd like to hear about it. If you have a Nexus 5 and you want to tell us about how, much it, how awesome it is or how much it sucks, do that because we don't have one. So uh, that would be cool. We also have... Uh on Facebook, we have the Galactic Water Cooler page as well as uh, we have Google Plus starting up, don't we? Yeah, it's actually there now. Awesome. Yeah. So uh, check it out. And uh, we'll talk to you again soon. From everyone here at Modern Geek and GWC, thanks for listening. If you have something to add to the show, a news tip, feedback on anything we've discussed, or just some random awesomeness, we'd love to hear from you. Give us a call at 214-296-9229. That's 214-296-9229. And follow the instructions there to leave us a message for inclusion in a future podcast. For more GWC content, visit our website and forum at galacticwatercooler.com. And don't forget, the financial support from listeners like you makes it possible for us to create all the content GWC offers. To find out how to donate, visit galacticwatercooler.com slash donate.